Hey, my name is Raquel Castro. I'm an actress, singer, and songwriter. You might know me from the film I did when I was seven called Jersey Girl, or more recent, The Voice or Empire on Fox. And you're watching the Points of Experience podcast. This is a really fun episode. It's a really, really fun episode because Raquel is my cousin. So we have a really fun history, and we didn't talk about this, so I'm going to talk about it now in the episode, but I didn't even really know that Raquel and her brother David were in the industry. Like, I I kind of knew that they were actors, but I didn't really know what acting was, so my entire adolescence, I didn't even... We didn't maybe saw each other at a family party or two. And um, I eventually remember when I was interested in acting, I think my dad was like, well, you should reach out to to Kathy, at the, uh, uh, Raquel's mom. And uh, I'm like, maybe she can help you. And she became a great um, like mentor to me and helpful. And we worked together and we became really good partners on working on certain things. And it allowed me to get closer to Raquel and David and see their careers uh, flourish and find different avenues for their success. I mean, Raquel has been on so many TV series. I mean, she starred in Jersey Girl with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. She's done Blue Bloods, uh, Liv and Maddie on the Disney Channel. She was in multiple episodes of Empire. She did The Voice and then Songland where she got one of her songs picked up in by her, you know, she got to do a song, wrote a song for her H dot E dot R, not like her for herself, <laughs> the artist, her, uh, she's been really inspiring to me. And I've, I've looked up to her hard work and dedication in this industry. And we talk about a lot of really cool things about, you know, her starting off as a child actress and, and moving into her adult years and having different perceptions of the industry and finding different loves, her focusing on her music more and uh, eventually coming back to acting with a kind of a different lens and different passions. And we kind of break down our philosophies on a couple of different things, especially this industry and how you can navigate it, expectations and saying yes to opportunities. So I really think there's a lot here. Um, And I got to hang out with my cuz. So uh, thank you all for watching. Make sure you leave us a like and uh, a follow and all that great stuff. Reviews on Apple and Spotify. And I mentioned this last episode, but if you're interested in coaching uh, or consultations, specifically with like voice acting, I'm going to be doing those. You can go to paulcastrojr.com and check all that stuff out. So thank you all. And strap in. We got Raquel Castro on the Points of Experience podcast. All right, so I saw you just put it away, but is that a heart-shaped lollipop? <laughs> it is. Okay, yeah, Valentine's Day. That makes I, sense. All right, not as weird as I thought. I had Valentine's <laughs> Day the other day with my girlfriends out here. We all went to – did you ever go to Saddle Ranch in West Hollywood? I, I know. I've never been there, but it's very, very popular and famous out here. you're yes. a good human if you've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Is that like, what is the, what's the history that I don't know about Saddle Ranch that is, is that you understand that it I don't? get ratchet. I used to go there when I was like 18 <laughs> with my fake ID out here when I first moved here. It was, it was really? one of the first bars that I ever went to and I, you know, the band, the wanted, they were like a UK band kind of around the same time as one direction. So they were like, they were like this with each other. Um, 
the Wish version of One Direction? Oh, no, they were just well, as good? Well, Braun signed them, so they were doing something. Oh, wow. They had, like, a reality show, but I had met them when I was, like, 18 years old out here, and it was, like, my first, like, wow. ever, like, celebrity sighting, so I thought it was so cool. And then <laughs> I used they have the bull there. You could do, like, bull riding. So yes, I've seen that, that on Instagram. Those were some ratchet yeah. moments. And then I actually worked at the other Satterich in Universal City that now closed down, but that was even more of like the very uh, risque uh, uh, memories um, of me working there. So fun times. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So that's actually fu- funny, something you said. And uh, you didn't, I can't imagine you didn't come to LA prior to your 18th birthday or you being 18. Like what was that like, or or had you been here, but not in the same capacity? Like I'm out here living and experiencing things. I'm just here for certain events or whatever it might yeah, be. I think the, fir- the first time I ever came to LA was when I was nine and I was doing stuff for Jersey Girl. And yeah. I, they had flew me out here to do like promo and stuff, but I was with my mom and, you know, I was nine years old. It was, it was a great, yeah. it, honestly, those times like wore my heart, those memories. Um, I loved them. And then uh, a few times maybe after, but then, yeah, my first like real experience was when I was 18. I came here initially for like two weeks, which is what I had planned in my head for like a little vacation. And then uh, I ended up calling my mom and being like, hey, I'm not coming home. And I ended up just getting an apartment out here. Yeah. That's crazy because, well, we'll get into all this stuff too because we have a very, uh, for anybody here who doesn't know, Raquel and I are our cousins. So this is, we have a very fun uh, relationship and in history of how we actually even came to like get to know each other even personally through regardless of our, <laughs> our blood relationship. But I, I was, I was watching uh, a lot of those interviews that you had done. Um, I guess it was like the Kids' Choice Awards and somebody had you out there where you were basically basically interviewing every celebrity you can imagine on the red carpet and you're a natural at I don't know how old that was you said like eight or nine nine. but was that not surreal at that moment or do you even have like can you still put yourself there as the person experiencing it or is it kind of a memory at this point where you're like that happened to me but that that's kind of another person at that point in time or do you still have the emotional feelings behind maybe seeing those celebrities again or or like thinking about those people I think a little bit of both like I still I've always yeah. had a very vivid memory about like specific things and then also like on the other side of things sometimes I just feel like I was completely dissociated for like a certain part of my mm. life but I yeah. do um I do remember like being at the Kids Choice Awards like meeting Jim Carrey and, and Cameron Diaz and Adam Sandler like those were like my favorites growing up um yeah. Mary Kay and Ashley like it was I remember that um and then there are certain things that like I'll forget but then when I think about it I look at I look at little me as like a completely different person where I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like it doesn't yeah. be, it feels like a lifetime ago, which it kind of was. It was over like 20 yeah. years. So you definitely, I think I feel the same way, not with those similar type of memories, but for those it's so distinct because 
did you recognize how famous those people were or how like crazy of an experience was that you were meeting like Jim Carrey or was it like, oh no, this makes sense. I just did a movie. Now I'm meeting Jim Carrey. This is all normal. Did did you have like that kind of recognition or was it like, (gasps) did you have that surreal feeling of starstruckness and unbelievable position that you You were in? You know, I think with like, with like a Cameron Diaz, I was like starstruck. With Jim Carrey, I mean, I I was still starstruck, but in a way I felt I was just so excited to do my impersonation of him from Liar Liar that like, that was like a life accomplishment for me. Um, Yeah. And then with like J-Lo, when I met J-Lo, I was like, I think I was like very shy, but also like completely like out of my world. Like it was just because I had grown up watching her so much in Selena and all of her other movies that she did. I loved her. Yeah. Um, so I think it just depended on the people. Like some people I could be like cool and kick it with and other people like there was just no hiding the fact I was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's it's a very interesting time when you're a kid and differentiating between like those the, for some people, you know, like it's, it's like I don't really care who you are or what you've done. And you kind of had that feeling on your talk shows. I mean, you did Ellen. You did um uh, you were Ryan Seacrest interviewed you. You did Craig. What's that guy's Kilborn. name? The other guy, which you're so funny <laughs> you on that, that too. Interview? It's like, <laughs> yes, I listen. I I want anything that exists of you online within the last 24 hours. I've probably digested. So just be aware of that. Which is more than I I actually knew of you. I mean, and we'll we'll, we'll journey back in in a, in a hot second. But uh, uh, for you, you had that natural star power. That kind of you you had that aura about you where you felt so comfortable and you were so funny and charming and goofy and 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 sweet what what was it that you think allowed you to be that comfortable on some of the like the biggest things in the world did you did you recognize that status of what you were doing or were you just like no nah, this is like me hanging out at a friend's house i don't think i knew i really don't think i did and and even if i did know i felt like when you're when you're a kid you're just so uninhibited and that's how I was like I don't know if it was my upbringing or you know the fact that I I really did grow up as a normal child I really I wasn't like sheltered in the way where I was homeschooled or was never around a lot of people like I went to public school um I, I had a great family and um you know my parents were always very hard on me which kept me very grounded And I think just a mixture of all of that, I was put into this world and I'm almost like glad that I didn't know what it was because I was just so unapologetically myself. And I almost like Mm. envy that with myself now where, you know, as an adult going into those situations, I don't know how I would feel or be because of just life and like your anxiety Mm. and all of your emotions, like it could be overwhelming. So I look back at that and I'm like, wow, like you just did it. Like you just went and I, I don't really ever remember being nervous as a kid. I just remember like wow. being so present and that was something that was so special. Quickly, do you remember when that changed from being a kid to maybe moving into adolescence or adulthood where you started to feel a little less grounded or you started to have nervousness or self-consciousness specifically in the entertainment business do you do you remember like a switch happening was it a project or an in, a, a, an instance a scenario an encounter like do you was there an identifiable moment where that that kind of changed for you or you recognized it changed? absolutely um after after jersey girl was over in the u.s we did like um a little like promo tour in japan and london and 
So that kind of lasted from, I started at, at like six and a half, seven, like filming. And it went up until like 12, maybe 13 around there um, of me just being surrounded by all of that. And yeah. after that, I just felt a complete like stop. And, um, you know, I was, I was auditioning a lot. I also had like an opportunity to do Disney stuff that I ended up not choosing to do. And, um, mm. you know, I always have those moments of like, what if, or what could have happened, but I've kind of like come to terms with, <laughs> with that and yes. those choices that were made. Um, but I do remember just feeling, you almost feel an abrupt sense of like one second people are like, Hey, Raquel, Hey, Raquel, Hey, Raquel, like, what are you doing? Or like, let's give you this script to read or let's do this audition yeah. or let's go to this event. And then all of a sudden it stops and it's very quiet. And I think as a kid having to deal with that, because, you know, before I really knew what reality was like, it was almost like a, a fake reality was like handed to me on a plate. And so I was mm. like, oh, what's this? And then when it stopped, I'm like, well, what's real? Is this, is this real or is what I just experienced real? So I definitely felt a huge shift in that and just how it affects you mentally and emotionally, your self-esteem, like your, 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 your passion for what you're doing. Like it, it went from being so fun to like me crying because I didn't want to go into auditions anymore because I was so tired of like auditioning for things and, and then nothing happening and you get your hopes up and you think this is the next one and, and then it doesn't happen. And I think handling that rejection at, at such a young age was very, very difficult in, in so many ways. Mm. Well, this is a great a great moment to now lead up to that because that's very interesting. I'm I'm very curious about that transition where that you're kind of talking about now. But <clears throat> let's hop back now to kind of the start of this because, and I'll start off actually with you're going to get a lot of compliments here, um, regardless of what you may or may not want. But I, it's funny too because even like working with you like on self tapes or things, you are. I've known you're talented, and from afar, before we got closer, I knew you were very talented. You are in Jersey Girl. There's a reason why that's one of the most memorable films, like of of our generation, in a way. And it's everyone involved is obviously phenomenal. I mean, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez, and you. It's it's such a great, uh, and Kevin Smith does a phenomenal job. But you are such like a standout, and like it. It's just so crazy at how young you were so talented, and even working with with you now. I still see like a burning passion, which is exciting for someone like me where I'm like, this person loves it. I'm sure the same way that you loved it when you were a kid and you, you, you're one of the, you're one of the best people I've ever seen take direction to like you so quickly can understand something that may or may not have been a thought of your own, which is why I'm sure it's great for directors who work with you where you know, even just working on like tapes and stuff, like it's like, oh, on a dime, you completely take a note, you inhabit it, you have something different, and it doesn't deter you. Like it doesn't, it doesn't switch the performance up in too much of a way. It's like you take it as like another little badge that you get as like a a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout, and you're like, okay, yeah, now adding that to the performance that I already had in place, which has always been really impressive and I've really admired. Thank so you. you, you've been talented as a kid and I've seen you continue to, to have that passion and talent. Where did the love or where did this all start before Jersey girl as a kid? Cause I know your mom had pursued the business at some point. Was this something that you having been introduced to movies and music as a kid and then her saying, Hey, do you want to audition? Like what was the start of how your trajectory in this business happened? I 
think it, it was a mixture of both of my parents always being very either animated or my father being very much into music, like always just being surrounded by that. Like, oh, my mom would play my dad's song that he wrote and we would be dancing to it. Or it, it definitely, I think, stems from that. Like maybe just in my DNA, that's just something yeah. that is in me. Um, but I, I really think ever since I could remember, like watching watching musicals specifically, I would love to watch mm. musicals and I would just be in awe in front of the TV and just want to so badly do what the characters on the screen were doing and the dancing, the singing and the acting. It was always all three for me. I always wanted to do that. And, and from I never really felt forced. It almost felt like it was just like a very natural shift into what the world was like before I did Jersey girl, I want to say like, did like these like uh, music video for like kid, kid productions for like, like, <laughs> like, like kids, Bob like, type of yeah, stuff. Safety videos for kids. So I like, I remember like oh, sure, auditioning. Sure. It was one of the first things that I got. And like, I was in this recording studio for the first time at like four or five years old. They had to put like styrofoam on the headphones because they were like too big. So it just, yeah. it, it always felt very just natural for me. Um, and then when I was discovered, I was in a nail salon with my mom and my brother and some woman came up to us and was like, Hey, your kids, I don't know what we were doing, but we were probably just like being our crazy like selves. We had, we were not shy kids growing up. Um, and so that was really like the first legit step we took into the industry where we, we took that manager's information and she signed me right away in New York city. And then my brother, not long after, and we were, we just started doing commercials and little things like that. And it, it kind of just all flowed in, into what it is now. And, and, and our whole life yeah. has just been revolving around this pretty much. That's so crazy. So somebody found you in, in a hair salon, in a you said? Is that salon. where that was? Yeah. A nail salon. Wow. That's so crazy. And I mean, you hear about those stories, but it's always kind of like, that's that's like the Hollywood version of, of what happens, but it actually is what is what happened to you. So <laughs> you sign with this, you sign with this woman who's got this management company and, it, it, and how soon, how soon does Jersey Girl come after that? And how many auditions were kind of in between that happening? I would say three and a half to four years, like from when I signed with her, because I signed with her at four and I booked Jersey Girl around like six and a half going on seven. Um, uh -huh. So I definitely remember doing a lot of auditions, lots of commercial auditions. And I, my mom tells me um, that we did so many the first year and we didn't book anything. And my dad was just kind of like, all right, what are we doing here? You're going in and out of the city like four or five times a week. Like nothing's happening. Like let's move on. And like yeah. I think not long after he said that, I booked my first commercial, which I believe was Robitussin. And <laughs> um, my mom was kind of like, happy. Like <laughs> you yeah. know her. Uh, oh, and yeah. yeah, so we, you know, I did lots of commercials when I was a kid. I did this like uh, series Third Watch. That was like my first TV series. Yeah, And I was like five or six around that time. And then Jersey Girl came. And I remember very vividly that that process of auditioning. Like, I mean, certain spots are missing, but like the, the key points, I definitely have like a very like vivid memory of. Did you have to screen test for that? Was there multiple callbacks? There was, I think, two callbacks. So I auditioned for A.B. Kaufman. And then I mm. got a callback with A.B. Kaufman. And then I got another callback with Kevin Smith and the director, Scott. Um, mm. I mean, and with the director, Kevin Smith and the producer, Scott, um, yeah. and, uh, then I, we didn't screen test. We did like, 
I remember being in a building and doing like rehearsals, like before we got on set and we were doing rehearsals with George, Carlin and Ben and all of that. And I think yeah. that was maybe like the chemistry read, if I'm remembering it correctly. Um, and then, yeah, we were, we were on set. So it wasn't, it wasn't a long process, but I just remember it. So it's just crazy. Yeah. I, I have a hard time remembering anything past like eight before 18 <laughs> years old. So I, but I, I can't imagine an experience like that, not having some sort of like lasting effect on you. It's kind of a dream like and, and I'm curious what was the filming process did you have rehearsal or were you just thrusted into this did you feel like you were prepared like was it overwhelming did it just seem like a natural progression from these auditions to getting the script and I'm just showing up like how was that whole process digested um again I think I was just having so much fun like the first the yeah. first when I left my house to go work they picked me up in a stretch limousine and I have home I have home videos of it. So they really, they spoiled me in the most beautiful mm. way. And it was just like, it was, it was like a dream. And we were in the, we were in the stretch limo. We were going to uh, Pennsylvania because we shot most of it in Philadelphia. And uh, we stayed in this like big apartment that they, it was a beautiful apartment that they had us in for like two to three months and um rehearsals we did more so rehearsals for like the chemistry reading things i believe that only took like maybe two to three maybe two weeks max that that mm. memory is like at the time of the extent of like how long we were doing things i'm sure blurry but i just remember being in this area and then we did like rehearsals for the sweeney todd number that we did at the end of the movie and i remember that we had Corey. it was my first time like working with a choreographer and then we went and like recorded the vocals for that and i was like in a studio and it was like me Liv tyler ben affleck in all of these booths and we were just looking at each other singing it was it was just so cool and um I wouldn't say there was too much rehearsal with me because I think they kind of just wanted me to like do it instead of like being over rehearsed. But yeah. um, we definitely did have some time to like get to know one another and build that like really great foundation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really that's just the, the key points that I remember doing. And then set yeah. just felt like the, the longest like day in, in an amusement park or something like that, like hair and makeup. I had such a great relationship with them and. The, the wardrobe like I was like seven years old like trying to talk tell the makeup artist like hey like maybe a little more blush or maybe maybe <laughs> she's wearing like lipstick in this scene I don't know you know <laughs> I was just, already trying to produce yeah, huh? <laughs> living, living my best life and it was um it was an incredible incredible experience wow it's you're working with uh Kevin Smith who is one of my favorite directors of all time and it's it's I wonder if it has to do with maybe just the way he works, the way he creates sets, if it's because, you know, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck are in the movie, but it sounds like they really created a very fun environment. And anytime you hear people talk about like experiences of the working on movies, oftentimes the ones that were most fun wind up turning out the best. But I know you probably, I mean, I definitely have been on movie sets where things are stressful. Like, I know you for a kid, you probably don't want to make a young kid think like, all right, everything's, the, the house is burning down. You make everything seem fun. I've, you know, I've 
in my stuff, I've worked with kids. I've had kids on set and definitely have that feeling. Uh, did you feel that everyone else around you was really enjoying it and that it seemed very like it, it, there was that freedom or did you get a sense of, you know, this is a studio movie to a degree and it's a, a huge uh, deal that this becomes successful? Um, I would have to say as a kid, I didn't experience any negativity on set. Yeah. Like from what I remember, it was just a fun shoot. They made it so much fun for me. Even like we filmed through Halloween and they threw us a big Halloween party on set and everyone brought their kids and we all got to dress up and go trick-or-treating around to all of the trailers. And like Kevin's daughter, Haley was there. Harley, Harley yeah. Quinn. Um, Harley, yes. <laughs> and uh, it was... They, they always just made it so much fun for me. And I think that was really, really appreciated probably for my mom and for me, because I have all of those memories now. I mean, I've definitely mm. experienced the opposite growing up and being like an sure. adult in the industry. It's like, oh my God, I don't remember it being like this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand here and just do what I'm told. Um, but, you know, being in a position like Jersey Girl, that I was just, again, so spoiled and the experience yeah. was amazing. Was music at that time already starting to become a huge part of your life? Was it, did you, or were you already singing and, and like wanting to do musicals or wanting to be a singer? Like, because obviously you sang in the film and then you've gone on to create a, a ton of your own music, amazing music. I mean, you've been on The Voice, Songland. I mean, music has been, I mean, Carmen San Diego. <laughs> like, there's just such a, a theme of music, even with some of your acting roles, where you've got to incorporate music even within your acting. Was it happening at that point, or did that come later? It came a little bit later, I think. I was always singing, um, but I never really took it seriously. And then when I was, like, nine years old, going on 10, I auditioned for uh, my first Broadway show. It was White Christmas, Irving Berlin's White Christmas. And mm -hmm. they were doing it in San Francisco. And I ended up booking that, actually. And that was such a cool experience. I, I had my 10th birthday in San Francisco and um, got to do this, like, Christmas magical musical. And that was a crazy experience for me. I've never done anything like that. And I never thought I could do anything like that. So it was, that yeah. was really cool for me. And that's when like a dancing really became like very, very much in my normal routine. After that, I like went back home to Long Island and I'm like, I want to do tap. I did jazz. I did hip hop, ballet, lyrical. I did everything after that. And I started competing in dance. So that was a huge transition for me. Um, and I wish I would have stuck with that. Actually, I had the opportunity to do it again. Mm. And I think even, I think even in New York as well. And I'm like, how did I not do that? But <laughs> I think about that a lot too, like musical instruments and singing lessons, like things that I'm like, why didn't you just stick with this? Like just play piano. I, I took piano lessons for like one week and the guy, it was like, I already knew this was way too overwhelming, but you, you get past that point where it, it's like work and you find enjoyment. I wish I would have just, you know, stuck with the, the the parts that stunk a little bit so that I could enjoy it from you know being an older artist mm -hmm. perspective there's so much that that you would uh you benefit from and that's why I always like tell my sister I'm like you better teach those kids piano or something because it applies to everything know, you know I know and I'm like you know not to trail too far off track but like I'm working with a little girl now and I've been managing her and now I'm yeah. like see she's seven years old and I met her when she when she was four going on five i met her in a nail salon which is what? crazy 
And uh, it didn't hit me how crazy that was until I, I was like writing out like something on like a post, I think, when I had just signed her. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, that is what a crazy full circle moment. And now I'm like developing her. She's with an agent. She's been doing commercials. Now I, I'm talking to her mom. I'm like, let's get her in acting classes. Let's build some sort, sort of technique. Let's get her into piano lessons. Let's, if she wants to sing, let's get her into voice lessons. Just let's start building those like little things that she might think she wants to do. So when she's older, she yeah. has something to like really, really depend on and can trust her technique as opposed to just like being all over the place. So it's crazy because there's so many things that I wish I would have done. Like I wish I would have stuck with piano. I started violin. Mm. Like I, I wish I would have stayed dancing. You know, I was working with like these music producers that when I was like, 15, 16 years old, and they're like, you need to stop her taking dance classes. It's taking up too much of her time. And I'm like, well, I, you know, why? That, there's just things yeah. like that. So I completely agree. <laughs> it, it's hard. You know, none of us know the future and you're you're passing on that wisdom. Is is this girl one of the only girls you're managing right now or do you have more? Because I remember you telling me when you signed her, yeah. is that she that she's the only one you're working with she's right now? She's the only one I'm working with right now. Um, I've, I've just started to like open up my brain to the possibility of maybe taking on like one or two more kids. It's, it's just yeah. a lot. It's definitely a lot of work and I've learned mm. so much just with her. And that's kind of like why I wanted to put all of my energy into her and getting her to a really good point where she could be a little bit more yeah. independent on, you know, her auditions and her tapes and all that. And she's grown so much in the last two years. And I now feel like I'm ready to maybe take something else on. And I never want to, yeah. I don't like to promise people. I don't, I don't promise things to people actually at all. Like even when I started working mm -hmm. with her, I'm like, Hey, so this industry is very inconsistent and unreliable and I will not promise <laughs> you anything. But I think your daughter has something special and part of developing it and hopefully getting it seen by the right people. And that's exactly how I approached yeah. her. And because there's so many people that are like, I can do this and I can put you here and they don't do any of it. Um, so mm -hmm. I definitely don't want to be that person. I want to make sure if I do take on somebody, like I can give them everything and more. Um, yeah. so, but I'm, I'm very open to it. My mom's doing most of it in New York and she has a lot of kids there. Um, the company's called who's that kid that she started oh, a yeah. while ago. And, um, it's, it's definitely something I, I didn't see myself doing. Like it was always a thought, but I, I it kind of just found me. And it was one of those things where yeah. I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about it. I just went to the nail salon randomly, wasn't even supposed to be there. And I ended up being there and met her and I'm like, well, this is the universe. So let's go with it. That's wild. It's you, when did your mom start managing and like, was it started with you and David and then she started getting more clients. And at what point in your career did that happen? Cause you said you were working with that one manager. Mm -hmm. Did you like just your mom's like, I could do what they're doing and I'm going to do it better. Is that kind of like what um, happened? <laughs> Subject, touchy subject. Ah, <laughs> all right, we can, we can we can move on from okay, that. Okay, I think I think my mom, you know, my mom also had a dream, and she always dreamed of being in this industry. And I think sure. you know, of course, like we worked with my manager for probably like ten plus years. You know, I started at four, and I think we 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 left her around fourteen. I don't. I was so young that I don't really remember what happened or how it happened. But I'm sure my mom just kind of felt like 
well, I would really love to give this a shot. You know, I, I feel like I've learned yeah. a lot in the last few years and I would love to start my own business doing this because, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom our whole lives. And, and thankfully she was because she was able to take us to our auditions and she was able to put the time in to help us learn our lines and do all those things. You know, if she had a full time job, I don't think we would have had the opportunities to do the things that we did. Um, yeah. So for that, we're very grateful. And and yeah, she, she learned a lot through us. And then a few years later, then she decided to like, maybe once we got older, once I like turned 18 and I was like more independent, like mom, I got this. She started yeah. to like look for other kids and, and develop them. And, and I think that that's like the, the sweet spot for her, because I think when you mix mom and kid, it can, it can be yeah. hard, but when you have somebody else's kid, that it's it's not that same dynamic it works great and like she has a few clients that are just so um loyal and and love her so much and she does a really really great job with them and i'm i'm very grateful for for both of them having each other um it's something yeah. she's really passionate about and very good at heck yeah no i always know i mean I, i've worked with some of her clients you know i've, I've always tried to when, especially when there's young kids that are talented, she's got a bunch of really great kids. Um, one of them did my pilot, and he was fantastic. Um, yeah, Matthew, he was really, really mm -hmm. good. I could tell he's gonna he's gonna go places. That kid. What at, when you signed, or was it after or before Jersey Girl? You got an agent. How how did that situation? Happen? I think I know. I was with Abrams right from when I was four years old. Um, my first manager wow. got me with Abrams, and I was with them up until eighteen years old. And then my managers in New York at Abrams moved to Paradigm, and so I was actually yes. living out here in LA. And so I was with Abrams for a hot second. Pamela and Domina out here, and I love them. They're yeah. so sweet. Um, and then we moved and shifted over to Paradigm, and I just wasn't really like happy with that dynamic, especially being in LA, you know, New York's a yeah. different story. Um, but I was with Paradigm for, I would say another like maybe four years, four or five years. And then when I was like 23 or 24, I actually moved back to A3 and I'm with um, uh, Pamela, just actually moved to a management company, but Domina is still my agent. Yeah. Crazy, full yeah. circle, <laughs> crazy full circle. Yeah, it's so, uh, you know, I, I my experience in this career happened so much later, but your mom was infinitely helpful when I was, you know, doing all those same meetings and having that stuff, you know, but I'm in my, you know, my early twenties when I'm doing this. So it's a very, it's a very different world. I'm always fascinated, you know, especially when you're uh, doing all those things later, I'm always fascinated. And I got to, I got to become friends with some kids who were in the business. I don't know. Do you know Josh Flitter? Or, yeah. or, um, he was like, yeah, like all these, you know, hanging out in the Abrams building, you know, these people who, like I would see your mom and David. I would see David sometimes on auditions all the time. Like because we'd be sometimes going in for for similar things. So it was always just so crazy that like, even though we didn't have a relationship really growing up, I remember like that, especially with David because he was we're around the same age, similar types. You know, I'd see your mom just like driving the car in the middle of the city. I'm like, oh shit, this is wild. That now this world that I knew nothing about and something that you guys have been doing for so long and you guys had been been killing it at. Uh, it's it's such an interesting life to grow up in this industry and then to to see it from, you know, the 
the pinnacle of success <laughs> and then to find your way through it and to to have that like dose of like what you were saying where people aren't necessarily calling you every five seconds. What was that middle ground period between where, you know, you're working really hard, you're making these decisions to, to work, whether it's not on Disney or in Disney. What was that transitional period like and was there a strategy in play? What was like your goals and what did you aspire to to have happen and how did it how did it flourish or, or turn into what you you know have grown into now today? I think after after we did Jersey Girl and after that period of just kind of going through a really weird time, of, I was in going through puberty and I wasn't, I wasn't sure. necessarily like the cute little girl, but I also wasn't like a teenager and it was a very, yeah. very weird time in my life. Um, I, I was mainly just in school, like being a regular kid and, and I would do auditions, but I think that was like a majority. Like I remember more from my younger, younger life. And then more so recently, like the, the ages from like 13 to like 17, 18 are, are kind of like a little blurry to me. And sure. I think it was, it was just a it was just a weird time for me. Like, I think in any kid, you're going through a weird time. But then going from, like, being a kid that was, like, successful and doing all of these really cool things and having all of these opportunities and having to kind of come down from that, it it was just um, confusing. And I think it was when I was, like, 14, 15, I started working with these music producers. And that was, that was when music kicked in. And it was like, okay, okay. let's take um, – let's take a little break from the acting stuff because I think Raquel is just maybe getting a little tired and a little frustrated and it was hard. Um, let's put some stuff into music finally, because it's, so, it's always another thing that I was very much interested in. And uh, I started working with this production company and doing like my original songs for the first time. And like we did this like B.O.B. cover on YouTube. And like, that was like during, I think it was either right before Justin Bieber broke on YouTube or during that time. And wow. um, so it was when YouTube was like the thing. And we started doing some of those things. Um, and I think that was our strategy there where we were like, okay, let's, let's, let's go in this direction. And then not long after that is when I did The Voice. And The Voice was mm. a huge platform for me because it was my first time really doing anything musically in a, like a professional atmosphere. Uh, and, and because of that, I, I mean, I had so much stage fright before I did like the voice. I, I didn't really sing in front of people, uh, except my close friends and family. And really, yeah. so I was like almost thrown into this world. Um, do you know Lucas Prada? Lucas Prada. I wasn't Maybe. an East Coast guy, and he was, um, you, you know the song? And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's Lucas yeah. Prada. He, I, I call him Uncle Lucas now, but um, he's he. <laughs> I met him in like a crazy time in the middle of all this, and he's actually the person that made the connection for The Voice. So what? I didn't even know it was a thing, and um, all we heard was Christina Aguilera was a part of it, and I was just like, okay, sign me up. Like, I loved <sighs> Christina Aguilera. I still do. And um, I did a Skype audition. They saw my YouTube music videos. That's kind of how I think I got my first like interview audition. Mm -hmm. And then I went to LA and I did the whole process and, and it was great. I mean, I, I will tear myself apart because I don't like to listen to anything from that 
time period, but sure. uh, you know, that's just me, me being my own worst critic, but I, I learned so much from that. I was so inspired by my experience on the voice being around so many artistic people. And then I also started songwriting after that. So that's kind of like been the huge transition for me. I definitely mm. needed to take a step back, focus on school, focus on being a kid and then yep. finding my way into like the next venture was did you just did you were, were you like i'm i'm enjoying this music thing and i want to explore it more and i don't care if i have to put you know i'm gonna audition and stuff but i don't care if acting is not the thing that i'm i'm shooting for did it just become your love at that point yeah i think if i if you asked me during that time period what i wanted to do more it would have been music because i think music, because sure. of what i went through with the acting stuff and feeling so frustrated I was just like, this is something new and something that feels really good and something that I can yeah. try that's different. Um, and especially with songwriting, like that was when I found the art of songwriting, it was almost like writing in my diary for me. And it was such a therapeutic way to like get my emotions out. And I think I had a lot of like mm. pent up energy in there as being just a <laughs> young teenager and everything else. Yeah, and that was a really cool stepping stone for me. Did was did you have any sense of like training your voice at that point or were you in high school taking lessons like where did you learn to make your voice what it has become and especially hearing you on the voice and then you got selected right by Christina Aguilera so it sounds like your goal was to go on the show because she was on it and you like her and then you got to work with her what how did you how did you prepare yourself was it just something you had would you accredit it to natural talent or were you working really hard to get better how did what was the the you know the training aspect of music for you I think at that point and that's probably the reason why I'm so hard on myself about that period for the voice was I wasn't vocally trained and there were hmm. so many people on that show that are very well seasoned singers um sure so I almost felt I almost felt like why me like Hmm. Did I deserve this almost? And that's something that always happens, I think, to anybody at any stage in, in this in this industry. It's like the imposter syndrome. And like, did, yeah. did I well. do I belong here? Do, am I meant to be here? Like always looking for like the reasons why I shouldn't have been in that, you know, particular place in, in my life and in my career. But I wasn't yeah. I wasn't vocally trained and and you can probably hear it, honestly, if you listen back to the videos. If, I'm not yeah. I'm not being hard on myself being very realistic but yeah, i think there's also and christina aguilar actually brought it up in one of her um interviews i think it might have been rolling stone one of the things she said she loved about my voice and why she turned around was because she felt this raw just talent this raw like power and that's what she liked about me it wasn't this like overly trained voice that she heard and I yeah, appreciated that comment. <laughs> and well, maybe if you would have been trained, you would have been so you would have been even more hard on yourself and trying to stick to a formula or a set of things and a wrong note or whatever might have thrown you off. I think there is something to be said, especially to the credit of your success as an act, you know, an actress, like especially getting credit booking an amazing role with amazing people and 
getting selected on The Voice. I mean, they didn't know who you were before they turned around. Mm-hmm. You know, t- you, you, you seem like you just have this raw talent, and it's definitely apparent in your music writing. So where do you think all that passion comes from in this, like, like you have a fire, I think, about you. And, and it's funny. I see it in your auditions. I see it in your work. What does that come from? Is it a, is it a thirst for life? Is it a, is it a passion for the art? Is it, a, is it expression? What, it, what is so important to you about doing all of this stuff? That's a great question. And I, and I really think as I get older, I'm realizing I like, I just love, I love telling stories. Like I'm a talker. I'm a very animated talker. I can't tell short stories. I have to give every single detail. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> you know, I'm like long story short and it ended up being, you know, an hour conversation. But yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah. something so special about that. I'm also very overly honest, as you can tell, like I will, I'm, And I think that all of those things, you need to be vulnerable, you need to be sensitive, you need to be honest to to be a creative. Because when you're, whether you're writing a song, whether you're singing a song that you didn't write, whether you're playing a character, like you have to find that, like the vulnerability, the real, like the root of whatever you're talking about. And you need to make other people feel that in you. And I think that's something that I enjoy so much. And I, I also think it's because sometimes I struggle with um, with just being myself in, in front of other people that when I could do something, whether it's writing a song behind closed doors or using the mask of a character to portray emotions that I felt, it almost feels easier yeah. to do it that way. And it mm. feels like... Like I've finished auditions sometimes where I had to like lose my mind and I really love things like that where like almost like at the end of that take, you're like hyperventilating because it gets you so like, like yeah. in it. Like I had one of those today. <laughs> oh my God. If there's something about that adrenaline rush that I'm like, man, like that's what I want to do. There's the adrenaline rush of being on stage in front of people and singing your heart out or the adrenaline rush of like, like writing a song and coming up with this line that you're like, where did this come from? You almost like black out. Like those are the mm. things that like really, you know, get me going. And I think that's why it's like addictive to be in this industry. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's hard to explain this to someone who's removed because like what we're just, you know, what you're talking about and it's kind of what I was thinking about today. I had a scene I had to do where basically to boil it down without giving any specifics away is it was I was playing a character that's dealing with a very heightened situation and somebody very close to them is more than likely dead and you're and and the audition was that experience like that heightened reality and getting to that place and then living in that place doing it multiple takes I'm like afterwards Allie and I are are watching the auditions and I had this moment of like isn't it weird that like this is what we want to do? Like <laughs> we want to put ourselves I, I, in these really like messed up yeah. emotional state of minds. <laughs> I want to imagine like what it would be like if my mom died right now and experiencing that. Like I want to do that. Like there's a part of me that is saying yes, I want that, and it's it's a very but it, it is true. Like we we get we get <laughs> off on this idea of like experiencing emotions on the highest heightened level. And the adrenaline and the, for me, I think it's also a component of, of compelling people to feel like, like, like wake up, like this is shit that we all go through. And I resonate with being a storyteller. I think that's where I, I, I am. If anything, I think I'm a storyteller and I think you have that similar bone could be, especially through your songwriting. Uh, it's a good, I think, 
example that you did on Songland. It's a very clear moment of you working as a singer and then having your work be somebody else's. Can you talk me through what songwriting has been like? I guess you can use Songland if you, uh, or Songland. That's what yeah, it's called, Songland. right? Okay, Songland. What that experience was like or what it is for you now as a songwriter and what that and how that is a part of your life? Because I'm actually curious, like, do you write songs for yourself and then it's like, okay, this could work for somebody else? Does it always start with you? Can you just boil down your whole process? For sure. Yeah. Specifically for Songland. So I had um, I had just been writing at, at that point, you know, more so in like 2018 and 19. I was just writing a lot of music and mostly for myself stories that you know that I've gone through and that's usually what I write all the time because it's a form of therapy for me and it just helps me like almost figure out what I'm feeling in that moment and that's what it's always been for me I never really considered myself a songwriter um because I'm like whoa like the idea of going into a room and like making something up and and having to do it like that in front of other people like for me seemed a little scary because I usually just wrote by myself. I didn't really collaborate with a lot of songwriters. Um, I, I never had much of the opportunity to do that before Songland. And then Songland happened because of a song I wrote again in my room in 2019. I was listening to a lot of her that at that time, I don't know if that was like a manifestation. I don't know how that happened, but wrong places and, um, didn't really think much of it. It was just another song that I had in my catalog and I would play it. My, my father loved it. And um, I didn't want to do Songland. Um, Miss Kathleen Castro wanted me to do Songland, my mother, for those of you who don't mm. know my mom. Um, and she was like, it'll be a great idea. Like it's the same people as The Voice and this could be a really good platform for you. But at that point, I had just been through so much where I'm like, I am not ready to put myself out there like that again. I. Number one, mm. don't consider myself a songwriter. And there's going to be people that really, really do this. I'm not ready. But she sent in my songs anyway. <laughs> and uh, a few months later, the casting contacted her. It was right before the holidays going into 2020. And they're like, hey, we, we want one of Raquel's songs. I didn't know which one it was yet. And uh, right after the new year, January of 2020, I find out it's wrong places. And we start kind of doing all the paperwork on everything and they flew me out to LA and then there I found it was for her and I'm like this is crazy because like Surreal. I had been listening to her that whole the, the year prior to that I was listening to her so much and um it was a really cool experience and I didn't you know I always going go into things thinking I'm not gonna win because I'm like I just don't know I don't I have learned to like set my expectations very low <laughs> it sounds like you don't believe you're as talented as you are so <laughs> which is a good thing to a degree it sounds so sad because but I just think it's what the industry does to you sometimes where you're like you yeah. never want to get your hopes up because you just the, the disappointment sucks so I kind of had that mentality, but I'm like, you know what, whatever happens, happens. And I, I remember singing and it was actually such a relaxing feeling in that kind of environment. Um, and she ends up choosing the song and I'll never forget the first time that she sang it was when I watched it live like in the middle of COVID. I didn't hear anything after the show ended and they were doing all the editing. I didn't get anything. And after my episode, she came on and she started singing it with an acoustic guitar. And I just started crying because it was the first time I ever heard somebody like sing something that was so like personal to me and somebody that I loved. It wasn't just like an anybody. It was somebody that I spent the last year obsessing over. 
Um, so it was a really sur surreal moment. And that was something that really transitioned my brain again, where I'm like, oh, I can be a songwriter. I can do this. I love the idea of like sharing my story with somebody else's and relating and helping, you know, like all of those things. So, you know, obviously COVID was a really hard time to connect with anybody. So it was sure. a weird. What perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing. It's like, here we are, the door opens and then COVID happens and everything changes. But yeah. it was, it. I, I'm very grateful for that experience because it helped me take some of the limits off of what I was putting on myself. Like I would always felt like you said, almost like I feel like I, I stopped myself from doing so many things because I'm scared I won't be good enough or whatever it is. And that was a moment for me where it finally gave me some sort of validation. Like I was getting validation from Ryan Tedder, who was multi Grammy award winning songwriter and producer and singer and like somebody I grew up listening to. And it was just so crazy that like, he told me behind the scenes, behind the camera, like, hey, I just want to let you know, I went on a run yesterday and I had your song on repeat for like a half hour, 40 minutes on my run. And and he didn't have to say that to me. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. And he did. And I'm like, wow, like that was really, I needed that at that point in my life. Cause I was, I was very close to just throwing it all away and just like getting out of this industry completely before I did Songland and that kept me going. So, and, and it's kind of transitioned to where I am right now. <laughs> well, that performance that you had on Songland is so beautiful. And they, the, the judges, the, the people working, you know, on that show, they, you can see that they are like, it's not bullshit. Yeah. You know, that is some tr fucking real validation, <laughs> you know, and you are kids excuse me, you're killing it. You are, and there's no mistake why your song got selected. And it's just, it, it makes me very happy to, to know, you know, you go through all these hard times and you never really know where you're going to end up and who's going to put your name in the ring. And then you're going to wind up doing something you never even imagined. Uh, what is the strategy now? Do you, are you actively thinking strategically as a songwriter now and saying, I want to write for certain people, or are you just writing songs and then you're presenting them as like a package? Is there a strategy in place or is that not something you're focused on just yet? I think I'm sorry, the, my, my ring is going off. Um, <laughs> I think that in the last two years specifically, like a little post-COVID, once 2020 was over, it's say from like the end of 2021 to now, I had a lot of time to really do a lot of soul searching. I've been living in Los Angeles again, and this is the longest I've been in LA since I'm 18 years old. So we're going on almost three years here. And... I finally feel like I'm in a place where life is still chaotic, but it's almost like structured a little bit more. <laughs> so it's, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm very much back into the mindset of being an actor and it took me a long time to get there. Like I would say from, for the last like 15 years, that was another part of my life where I would go into auditions I don't even remember my performance. I don't remember my preparation. I don't remember like what I even said to these casting directors at some points where I think I was just a zombie mm -hmm. going into these rooms and they probably felt that, you know, and that's something that, that sits with me and I'm like, what? Like, God, I should have just stopped completely. But 
I feel like I'm in a place now where I had this wake up call and I'm just like, I love music. I love songwriting. I just love being creative and I want to be successful yeah. doing what I love. That's, that's my goal. Like I want to just wake up in the morning and know it's all good. And I have, I have a, a path in front of me that I'm really focused on. Um, and that for me first is acting. I really, really want yeah. to conquer that. And, and, I've accepted that, you know, I'm 28 years old now and I started when I was four years old. I've been in this my whole life, but I'm in a new chapter of my career. And and there's something so refreshing about realizing I'm starting from the ground up again. I'm not starting from seven-year-old, mm. nine-year-olds, Raquel that did a really, really cool movie with some cool people. Like I've kind of, yeah. I'm grateful for that experience, but I've almost set my brain into like a clean slate mode where I want to take any opportunity I can and make the most of it. And so any opportunity that feels right, I wouldn't say any opportunity, but I can, but any opportunity that yeah. makes sense, I, I want to just go and follow that no matter how big or how small or how much it pays or how much it doesn't pay. Like I really yeah. want to find that and, and, and lock in a place there. And then while I'm doing that, I'm also working as a child talent development or manager, I guess. I don't really know what my yeah. type of her manager, but like <laughs> I'm doing more than that. And I'm really passionate about that too. So like, this is the path. And then that path kind of veers off a little bit. And then I'm also finally, um, after like the last two and a half years of just not looking to do an artist project, I'm finally releasing my own music again. And that's something that's really exciting. And more so like a passion project for me. I don't, I'm doing mm. it completely independent. I don't have a manager for that. I don't have a label. I don't have an investor. So I'm kind of just going at my own pace and doing what feels right and what makes me feel happy at the end of the day and experimenting. And that's really fun. And then in, in the same conversation, I'm also like writing with other artists that I really like. Some have become really good friends of mine and helping them like, you know, develop their projects and, you know, just, you know, put my, put my little touch on it. And uh, that's been really yeah. fun too. So like I said, it's, I'm still, I don't want to put all of my eggs in one basket because I think I love to do so many different things that I would be limiting myself if I did that. But I've just yeah. tried to focus my energy a little bit more on like what I want and what I see for myself. You're so inspiring. And, uh, it's you, you, you really are a hard worker and you're talented too, which I know makes it a little bit harder because when you have talent in all these different things, it's hard <laughs> to kind of sometimes just say, I'm only going to do this one thing when you're passionate about all these things. And I think that's why like people like you and me, because I'm, I'm writing, I'm acting, I'm voice acting, I'm doing, you know, it's, it's all these different, I'm working on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm meeting guy tomorrow funny enough we're, we're thinking about doing another project right now so like <laughs> yeah so i don't know i don't know maybe if he's if you're gonna meet up with him are you gonna I be think seeing I might him at any point with him tomorrow before i go into work and then i told him to come visit me at work if i can't do that amazing <laughs> amazing okay well if i'm with him we'll both do that okay. so that's a good uh, yeah so like it's just so hard to sit and harness like a creative energy in one way it's not the same way it was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago where it was kind of enough to just you know just sit around and wait for the phone call to ring and and pursue one thing it's 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 you have to be very talented you have to be available you have to be flexible and 
I'm happy for you that you're finding stability within the chaos because that's I think that's the the perfect middle ground is being open to all these things and you should be showcasing your talent no matter what the the degree of Hollywood fame that the film might be, if it's an indie or if it's whatever it is, because you are so talented. I know you worked on a couple of things um, recently, a couple indie films that you were you did a musical one, correct? Right? Yeah. Is and then you did a couple other projects, at least from what I saw on IMDb. Has that been rewarding to work on these projects and just to kind of like get your muscles flexed again in that way, especially post COVID, where none of us were doing anything, like doing anything? Yeah. Oh my God. It's- Especially, I mean, I did the, it was my first musical film that I've ever really done. And it's called Paradise. I did it March of last year and they're um, shopping it around now. And we just got to see a screening of it a few months ago, which was so cool. Heck and it's yeah. like, I mean, in that I played a very lighthearted film, um, but my character was a stripper. <laughs> and then she turns <laughs> yes, into yes. something else and like, I don't want to give it all away. But uh, it was such a fun role to play because it was my first like adult-esque role that felt like a real role. Like I've done things in the last few years, but nothing felt like it had substance. It was one of those things where it's mm. like, I almost felt like I was just like a person standing in a room and it was just there, you know, like the character <sighs> didn't feel like meaty or like I could really put a lot of like, um, like energy into, uh, so paradise was a lot of fun for me and I'm really excited. I hope that finds a really great home. And then, um, the other film I did is going to be called one day in America. And it's more of like a drama dramedy, I guess, because there's like some dark humor in there. Uh, and it really just takes place on one day in America. It follows a shooting that happened in the nineties in Boston, I believe. And we shot it in Boston. It was my first time there. And uh, it was also another like adult role. She's very, uh, she was a, like, a, a, she's a liberal. She's a feminist. She, she's very, very passionate about everything that she has to say. And she's not afraid to speak her mind. And that was really, really cool to kind of get into that area of me. Because I'm also somebody that like, if I believe in something, I'm not afraid to like, give people my two cents. Um, I had to, I had to find that voice, but I I did. (laughs) Um, and, uh, it was really, again, it was so much fun. And like, these are projects like the writer director of that was a friend from years ago. I met out here when I, in LA, when I was like 18 years old and we just stayed in touch and he just reached out to me one day and was like, Hey, I think you would be great for this role. Are you interested? And I'm like, absolutely. So it worked out and it was a lot of fun. And I'm just looking to do more of that. I just want to keep diving into different characters. I can't wait to see both of those projects and whatever else you continue to do. I, I've known, I mean, granted, this is a, a, a separate tangent, but I've known you were talented even from like the writing in my head. Like I wrote literally a role that you play my sister because I knew how talented, I mean, Barbie boy, we've yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, this yeah. before in that way, you know? So like, I've known how talented you are and I know you haven't had that. Maybe it's, we're going to get pieces of it in these films, but I know there's a, a part of you that is yet to let, like they've let to let you go off the leash a little bit. So I, I'm excited to see how that manifests, whether it's in these projects or more projects to come. It's a it's a hard industry and we don't really have all of the control to say what we want to do and when we want to do it. 
a great piece of advice I got from your mom was just, she always told me like to just say yes to things, like just do it. Like she always made me believe that. Like I would talk to her, especially when I was starting out and I'd be like, I don't know if I should do this. I, I was getting a little too ahead of myself. I was trying to be like a business guy before I even did anything. And she's like, she's like, no, just do it. She's like, yep. just do it. She always and that, said that really stuck too. with me. She was like, you never know where it'll lead. You'll never know who could see that you in that. And and call you for something else or you know even yeah. auditioning like there's certain things where i'm like i'm not right for this this she's like yeah but you can get in front of the casting director and they might remember you for something else and so it's so 100%. true and that's why like for the most part i think you know i definitely had moments where i was ahead of myself too i was because of the the success i had when i was a kid like it got to yeah. my head where i was like well i did this already like i don't want to like you know not go down but it's such a terrible yeah. way to look at things. And that's something I wish I would have just been able to like slap myself in the head when I was a kid, because like every opportunity is a great opportunity. Um, you know, there's obviously moments of like in your gut, you know, if something's right or wrong, but like, you never know where it's going to take you. And I think just being a sponge yeah. in this industry, especially in the beginning is so important. And just it's almost like the wide-eyed like child like you have to very you yeah. just have to be grateful and excited and just open-minded i think you said it great before where you're like you know you're, you you want to take every opportunity the ones that feel right you know you're not just going to say yes to somebody <laughs> you know well, who knows there's a lot of a lot of people on craigslist that want to make some weird <laughs> yeah. films and you know no no shade to that and and all the best luck to you but i i you know i i think it's a really hard especially when you want to be taken seriously and you want to have validation to be like, cause I've experienced this too in my life where you've said, I, you know, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Am I taking a step back? Do I need to say I can only work for this amount of money? Am I not willing to, you know, not get a, you know, a business class flight, whatever the stupid stuff that we, as a business, because we want to sustain ourselves as artists and we want to make this a career and our livelihood, something that we're doing every day. And this is paying every single one of our bills. So you have to have standards. You have to know your worth, but you also don't want to pass out on opportunities. I don't know if I've said this story on this podcast before, but a friend of mine uh, was a, a Columbia director and he cast me in a short film that he had done when he was in Columbia MFA. And he went on, we made the short film. He went on to get that short film picked up to turn into a series by a network. And in between this, I'm getting a little bit of a big head at this point where I'm getting, you know, and he had asked me to do something else at this point. And I'm not saying this is the reason why I didn't get it because I still had gotten an audition when that other bigger project happened, but he had asked me at a point in time in the middle, I probably asked your mom for her advice on this at this point. He wanted me to do this project for a couple of days and it was no pay. And this is before I've really done anything. And I was like, well, I need to get paid. I didn't ask for much. I said like, I needed like at least a hundred dollars a day or something, but he couldn't pay it. And that was a, that's a, a situation I look at all the time where I'm like, had I just said, no, I'll do it for no money. And I would have had a better relationship with all the people on that set that have gone on to, to do amazing things. And maybe he would have fought a little bit harder for me to do the series when it got picked up. I'm not saying that's the reason, but I, I always feel like if, if that could have been a reality, it's a good lesson to learn from regardless of if that was the reality that I'm living Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And I can trail off your story because I have a similar story that sticks with me. Please. So it'll make you feel less bad or hopefully 
probably just feel understood because I, <laughs> I know the reason why I was saying that before is because I have one of those where I was living out here and I was like 18 or maybe 19 and I had in the same like maybe few two weeks span I auditioned for a Disney show and I also auditioned for a musical The Heathers and it was before oh, yes. they like the, the very very beginning of them developing this to bring it like uh, turn it into a musical and do all of that and the director I auditioned for the Heather's first and um, I got a call back and the director Andy Fickman was there he is the sweetest man I love him to death uh, he loved me and I forget which character I auditioned for I forget the name um, but. One of the bullies or the main girl who runs off with the guy? One of the Heather's sisters or whatever. Sure. Um, And he loved me and we had this great energy in the room. I'll never forget it. And then my agent called me like a few days later and I I think they were interested in me for it, but they told me for the workshop or whatever it was, it was no pay. And it was like a few weeks that I would have to dedicate to it. And me, I was just like, well, I need to get paid, you know, like I need to do this. And I... And I ended up not doing that. And in the same time, I auditioned for this show, Liv and Maddie on Disney. And Mm. Andy Fickman was the director. So (laughs) I actually got the Disney show. Yes, I and you're phenomenal in that. And I want to talk to you about. It. We'll, I'll put a pin in that. But go what on. What a fun character that was, and that's so cool because it brought me into like this fan base of these young kids that I've never because I never did Disney growing up. But like, yeah. that, it was so crazy. I only did two episodes on that series. I had like a little rec- recurring guest star role, and like kids stopped me and they're like, "You're South Salamanca," and I'm like, "Oh my god, I am! <laughs> Holy shit!" Uh, <laughs> apparently, yeah, apparently, I am, and like. And, and I grew such a great relationship with Andy, but I have to say there was also kids that were on the Live and Maddie show that did the Heathers and their careers started to do a lot after that. And like a lot of great people yeah. saw them in the Heathers and put them in other things. And I'm like, me and Andy still have a great relationship and I still talk to him and his wife and I, and I love it. But I actually Instagram messaged him not too long ago and I brought this up to him and I said, hey, I have been doing some soul searching and just thinking back on things in my career. And one of my biggest regrets is not going through with Heather's. And I wish I would have done that. And I just want you to know that in my heart, I'm just so grateful that I still have the opportunity to work with you. And I hope one day I can continue that opportunity. And like, he like wrote back and he was so nice about it, but it was one of those things that I needed to get off of my chest because I'm like, Oh, like I just, I was so angry that, I didn't yeah. take those opportunities because, you, again, you never know where it could have taken you. And I feel like I've learned so many lessons, but I'm like, all right, God, I'm done with the lessons. Like, all right, I've learned. I'm here. I'm ready. Like, what, what's happening? So it's, it's, it's definitely lessons I think we need to learn because it humbles us and it teaches us a lot of things about the industry and ourselves. Um, but it's, you know, sometimes just learn from other people's lessons and just go to take the opportunities. I know. Well, that's what this is all about here, and that's why I love this podcast because I I wish – you know, all I had was the people around me, and it was a very few amount of people. I mean your mom was one of the biggest resources in my life to understand any of these things in this industry, and it's also it, – it, this industry is very conducive, and I'm not saying that you've experienced this, but I definitely have, where you have this like – 
it shouldn't be this way, but a lot of people have a baked in competitiveness, even if you're not even of the same like type. It's like people don't, there are people that don't want to see you succeed. Mm. That's a real thing because there's like a, an animosity about like, why isn't that me? And there's a bitterness to that. And it's hard to find people who really will champion you and be happy about what you're doing in the industry without them. Like if you're like in the same come up to like, just be like, I just need your support. Like untethered from all the shit that each of us are doing like be happy for me or not and it's it's a real hard thing to do and learn and and i've had so many another one and this will be very short here is i i uh i had an opportunity to do uh i was auditioning in final callbacks and everything for uh the harry potter musical the cursed child when i was in new york just gone, did the whole thing, callbacks, movement callback. I did the uh, the the trapeze training where they had a hook yip and then the harnesses and everything. I did everything. And they had asked me, they said, would you be willing to do the show in San Francisco? Because it was, you know, they were, they were auditioning for understudies for Broadway and they were also auditioning for San Francisco to play leads or understudies. And I was like, I don't want to do um, San Francisco or whatever because I... In my head, I'm like, I'm going to be this big producer soon here in New York. You know, like I'm, I'm working on all these big projects I got in my mind. And I don't regret saying that. And I don't really know the capacity in which that played into them maybe or maybe not casting me. And who knows what would have came from that. But I think we try to direct our ship sometimes too much. And this is an industry where it's like... Just get on the river and see what comes to you and and see what happens that way instead of saying like, I'm going to do this. Because I remember when I was 24 years old, I said I was going to have, I was going to be Michael J. Fox <laughs> and I was going to have my own sitcom at 24, you know? So it's it's so hard as an actor, unless you're creating your own stuff and, and you're doing that to like dictate what it is. So long story short, saying yes to things that you don't know will where they will take you or the relationships you'll make. I still, as I'm sure you have, as you just said with that film, people pop out who were, you know, PAs that are now producers. Exactly. You never you know. You never know. You never know. And I think this is an industry, <clears throat> this is an industry where you really don't know what happens next. And even when you do know what's happening next, you don't know what's happening after that. And mm -hmm. it's something that you almost have to go into it blindly. You have to just trust that this opportunity presented itself for a reason and and sometimes you just have to go with it like you said before you made a great point like we we hold on to too much control in in an industry where we have zero control <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's like you know, know. you know i'm very spiritual and i believe in god and i believe that like at the end of the day like i don't have any power you know there is a plan mm -hmm. there's an ultimate plan and that like sometimes i laugh at myself because i'm just like funny me or silly me for thinking like I was going to be able to like make this decision and it was going to happen. Like, you know, like we just don't live yeah. in a world like that. And so, yeah, you just have to, you have to trust your instinct, but you also just have to just sometimes just trust the path and just trust the journey and just go for it. Yeah, I agree. And that's a great lesson for anybody listening. I want to take that pin out of the live and Maddie thing, because that was a moment where I got to see you be hysterical <laughs> and, un and, and uninhibited in a way that you, it's like that role kind of gave you the freedom to do that. And we don't always get those gifts in things that we do. Sometimes you're like the pawn piece, even though you have great performances down the line, like even in blue bloods, like you've done some really great stuff in very different capacities, but com comedic wise, you are, 
in a in a great way. You're 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 chewing that scenery in just the right amount. You know, you're you're really is is comedy. What is the thing for you that you want to be doing? Is it like do you? If you had your choice, would you do the Broadway musical? Would you do a serious film? Would you do a comedy? What is the thing that you think you'd want to do? And what is the thing that would like make you shine to show off a talent maybe that you've been working on or you think people haven't seen yet? I think that, I mean, I love TV. I have to say, I would love, and I never really thought about it before because I started in like film, you know? I'm like, oh, movies, yeah. movies, movies, movies. But um, I would love to just have a series regular role on like some sort of like, like comedy, rom comedy, like TV show. And I feel like we spoke about this because I'm like, I don't know how others perceive me because I have so many different, like, I have so many different layers in me. Like I love, yeah. I love roles like the Blue Buds role, like going into audition rooms and doing something that, like I said before, like really just you have to like just wear your heart on your sleeve and let it all out. Like I love that. Yeah. I love performances like that. Um, but the other side of me is very like quirky and like weird and goofy and not many people see that side of me. But when I have the opportunity to do that, it feels like I'm more myself than anything else. Uh, like, like Zoe Deschanel in new girl, like love her yeah. in that, like those type of, like the tones of those type of shows I love. I, I love CW, but I heard CW is no longer going to be CW. Wait, what? Somebody, That's they're getting rid of the CW? Somebody, like somebody's taking over CW and I forgot what it's going to be, but it's like, a, it's almost going to be like sci-fi or something. Oh my god! Don't quote me on this, but somebody told me this, I think like a few weeks ago at a head, head, headshot photo shoot. And I was just like, uh-huh. CW has been on my vision board, like for the last few years. <laughs> like I love CW. Um, so it's a whole genre of of TV and 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 that's that style that I think you would you would thrive in and and how people perceive you I don't know maybe how you perceive yourself we've probably talked about this to a degree but you do have such it's even like a parent in those interviews like that kid is still the same Raquel that you are today like that is your true form this person who's just free and finding laughter and everything and being quirky and you know you can still have i think that's what makes a it'd be the perfect character that is extremely quirky and free and fun but has that that switch where there can be a very serious person and you have the capacity for all of that so uh i'll be crossing my my toes for that manifestation for you because you would kill Thank it you. you would kill I always it used to be insecure about that in myself especially like in the early teens because you see so many celebrities nowadays that are very calm, cool, collected in their interviews and they talk very I, soft yes. and their tone sounds so great, like ASMR almost. And I was never that, you know, like I, yeah. I am so bubbly and sometimes people are like, whoa, like who is this chick? Like, is she okay? But I just, I don't know. I have so much like energy and I'm very passionate when I talk and I'm very just like raw, I guess still. Um Yeah. And, and that's something I always used to be insecure about because I was never like the hot girl, you know, like I was never like the, like Megan Fox, you know, like very just <laughs> sexual and like hot. And I always like wish I'm like, dang, is wrong with me? Like, but I just, you know, what I learned as I got older to embrace who I am and bring that into the characters that I can audition for and play. And even a manager that I started working with, like, you know, she's like, you're funny. And I'm like, I am. Like, I'm not, I never, you know, I was always, I got him very like corny, my humor. So, and she's like, but you're also very tough. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, I am. That is me. Because I, I am very tough. I'm from New York. I have that like bite to me. I'm not going to act like somebody from middle America would. So that's for sure. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, I think growing up and learning to embrace who you are and learning how to bring that into characters has been something very helpful for me because I always used to go into characters just trying to not be myself. And I think that you have to find the balance of like finding that person's story, but also bringing, bringing who you are at your core into that. So whoever's watching you really feels like that's who they're talking to. Yeah, I think we, especially when we look at sides and auditions and we think about characters, we often think that they're looking for this and that's why they write this huge long description of things. But the thing that's going to set you apart from everybody else is what you in your life, in your experiences that is not written on that page, mm-hmm. the laugh that you do that may not be written into the script that happens at a very weird time. But th- like, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show yet. And so anybody here, I apologize if I have. There's one of my favorite moments in all of TV is John Bernthal in The Walking Dead. Have you, have you watched The Walking Dead at all? Alright, I'll try and make this as simple as possible. So there's a bunch of zombies. They wind up... He, it's He's a friend of the main guy. They This whole tribe of people move to this farm and one of these women has a little kid. Uh, Sophia. And at the end of the season, I'm spoiling it for you, so if you ever watch The Walking Dead season 2, <laughs> the end of it's going to be ruined, uh, the little girl goes missing. And the 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 mother of the little girl goes to John Bernthal's character. She goes, they're like they're getting overrun by zombies, and they've been looking for this kid. And she's like, "But we gotta wait for Sophia." And John Bernthal has this moment where he's just like, he's laughing. He la he like is laughing like beside himself because the the words that are being read on his uh, that you can see him going through are this fucking person thinks that her daughter is still fucking alive during this apocalypse she's been gone and that's not written into the script you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's the way that somebody brings their experience of like if somebody was this crazy to me how would i react and how can i bring that to and that's what elevates these performances that i remember like it's such a stupid thing to remember but it'll, it has such an impact on yeah. me because it's those things in between the lines the things that we bring that is not written on the page that we can interpret to be our our, our own way that we want to do it or we can we can build upon these performances that uh that aren't written and that's what makes when the casting directors or the producers or the directors look at it and go they go what is the thing that's different? What makes me lean in? What makes me say, oh, that was an interesting take. I didn't expect that. How is this actor I hire going to help enhance this writing and this project? Mm-hmm. Unless you're working with like Sorkin and then you understand, like stay on the, <laughs> don't deviate from the material in any way or shape or form. Um, but that's a, that's, that's really good. And I hope that you do get to do more of these things that are, are, close to you and that you will be able to uh, rich and enhance from. I would love to ask you a question, especially I I was going to ask it back when we were talking about Christina Aguilera. Um, But on this show, I like to ask people about experiences in their life. And we've talked about a bunch already that that you've had. Um, And maybe it's something, maybe a piece of advice that she gave you or somebody gave you or an experience that you had that had a really profound effect on you. Uh, One of the first ones that comes to your mind where, you know, it's like, oh, wow, I never really thought of things like that. Or when I had this uh, friend tell me this or when I had a fight with somebody like was there is there an experience that you've had professional or not that had an impact on you that you think the experience of you going through it would be helpful for somebody um, maybe going through something similar? Hmm. I feel like I've had so many different like experiences. I'm trying to think of like something a little bit more recent when I'm an adult. 
I don't really, because a lot of like the things that I did like that, I was so young, so I don't remember much, but like. Yeah, it's hard. That's, it's a hard thing to do. Like I, uh, I recently went to, uh, this is funny. This is the first thing that comes to my mind. So I'm just going to say, like, I recently went to Joshua Tree and I'd been there before and, you know, everyone talks about Joshua Tree being this like really magical and spiritual experience and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I had a moment and I made everybody on this trip that I was with laugh. We're driving through the Joshua Tree Park and stuff. And I'm just looking out and everyone's kind of, everyone in the car has got this feeling of like, oh, wow, you know, we're Josh. It's so beautiful. You know, you two made a record about here or whatever. And I'm looking out and I'm like, it's, it's like a junkyard for rocks. Like that was like what I took from it. And I'm like, I, I didn't find this, like it, it, everybody has their own ticks and quirks and what the things have impact them. And to me, I kept feeling like I had to have this like spiritual connection to this place that people rave about. And I was like, it's just a, it's just a junkyard full of rocks. <laughs> like I'm not getting it. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. It's not my vibe. And having the realization of being like, that's okay. I don't have to have like, you know, when people see movies and they're like, oh my God, it was life changing. Mm -hmm. I don't need to say, I can be like, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I respect that you have that opinion, but it wasn't my vibe, yeah, that's and that's fine. It's okay with with being that and and having this Joshua Tree experience just really kind of enhance that feeling of like you don't have to always follow the crowd. Mm -hmm. You can you you can be your own thought. You can have your independent feelings about things that aren't like on brand with what the social narrative is. I agree. So, that's something I think I learned too recently. Where like you, it's it's like be be okay with the thoughts that are in your brain instead of trying to like make them into something like you would hear in a movie or something that you 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 thought it should have felt like or been like or it should have happened in a certain way like just be okay with what with your life and how it is look at things and because it's not wrong it's just how you feel um and then and going back to your question I, i'm trying to think off the top of my head of advice somebody's given me but i i want to say like advice that i heard from just watching people that I respect and love. Um, I, I started watching a lot of like table talks with like all of my favorite actors on the Vanity Fair yeah. channel and all of that. And um, Tom Hanks said one thing where he, he was talking with a table and he said, one of, one of the best pieces of advice that he's been given is the quote, this too shall pass. So if you're mm -hmm. feeling really low and really just shitty, this too shall pass. And if you're also feeling like you're on top of the world and everything is going your way and this is how the world should work, this too shall pass. And I'm like, wow, that's so powerful. And Cause like you, I've always heard this too shall pass, but it's always yeah. like, oh, when you're going through something bad, but the knowledge of knowing that, listen, the bad and the good, it's the ebbs and flows of life. That really helped my brain just kind of settle where I'm like, Okay, and Robert De Niro kind of trailed off of something similar where he said, you just gotta be cool. You just gotta be cool. Like if things are going your way, don't don't be like, yeah, like I'm this and I'm that yeah. and, and start like acting like you're this like powerhouse and everyone should bow down to you because that just shows like your lack of humility and that can be taken away from you just as quick as it happened. So he's like, but you know, and like even when it's bad, like you just gotta stay just got to stay even you just got to stay cool within yourself and uh, i don't know if the term cool was actually used but something similar where no matter what like don't don't get lost in like the the chaos of this industry just 
just move one foot in front of the other and keep going and be grateful and be truly unapologetically yourself and trust in your timing and trust in your path. And that's something that has actually stuck with me. So I don't know. I'm really bad with the whole like, that's uh, great. Like what pop, pops into your mind, but that's kind of what popped into my mind for, for I, my I, I think that's phenomenal. And it's so, uh, it, it might sound simple, but it's, it's like you said, when you think of it from both ends of the spectrum, like just, being cool number one and just like it, it can pass like not everybody's going to be thinking about your audition that one day and it's not going to be the, the thing that ruined you you know people aren't sitting around holding grudges about you and these one singular moments that we try to make like our life-changing opportunities that doesn't define what our future is and it made me think of another uh quote of somebody i'm not sure if you're familiar with Brene brown she had a quote of saying um what if it all works out you know, like when these things that we worry about, these things that we create all this, like, oh my God, this is so stressful. It's like, what if we make our minds think, what if that all works out? And you live in that for a second. It, um, what if it all works out? If you spend because, the amount of energy that you put on, like, what if it doesn't work out? And what if I did this wrong? Or what if I could have done yeah. it better? And if you put that same amount of energy into the idea of what if it works out? Oh my God, I feel like your life could change. I know. I still have a hard time with it, so I can't sit here and Me say too. that I'm the perfect person. I but. gotta practice what we're trying to preach here, but it is. It's something that, like, I wish, I wish I had more people telling me that on my journey of just like yeah. get out of your head and just focus on what you can do because we really don't have much control. But what do you? What can you control? What mm. could you get better at? What could you? Um, what could you mentally practice to help you just stay sane in this industry? Yeah. And it's those, it's those things that we really need to remind ourselves. Yeah. I, this has been so, I feel like I've learned more about you today than I have in our entire lives <laughs> that we've known each other. This has been so amazing. Uh, Raquel, uh, I'm, I'm so happy for you. I'm excited for you and all these projects coming up. I'm, even more excited to see what comes next. I mean, Ali's been a fan of your music since, uh, what was the song you did? You did a collab with someone. It was Young and Dumb. Am I saying the correct, correct title? Oh Ali yes. listened to that all the time. And like, I was, <laughs> she would like do it thinking it would make me feel uncomfortable. Like, I'm like, I listen to it. It's a good song. Like, Aww. you know what I mean? She loved it. Uh, she still loves it. So I'm, I'm really excited for you. Other than the movies we've talked about, and I know you have some music, is there anything that you can or want to plug or should people find you on social media? YouTube, what is the things that we can state right now that you are allowed to state? Um, I think more so the music stuff is more in my control. And um, I am, I just released a single in January called Top Shelf. And it's a very fun, like underground New York City vibe. But following that, I'm going to be releasing more of like a chilled out love song. And then followed by that, I'm releasing an EP. So in the next few months, there's going to be a lot of new music coming out on Spotify. So you can find me on there. Um, stay tuned for those two new films. I don't have any, like, really, like, I don't have much information on those as, as yeah, much yeah. yet. Um, but that will be happening in the near future. And, uh, yeah, on social media, my Instagram is Raquel X Castro. Uh, and that's kind of where I stay most current. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Raquel, thank you so much for doing this. This has been such a blast. I sincerely, all my love to you and everybody in the family. And maybe I'll see you. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I'll <laughs> see you soon. And uh, regardless, thank, thank yeah. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation and definitely needed it. So heck yes, <laughs> that's my that's my gift to you. Yeah, all right, <laughs> Raquel, thank you so much. We will chat very very soon. Thank you. I'll talk to you later, Paul. 
she has such a history of her life and a great resolve of the realities of this industry. I, I really, I, I do, I, I'm, and I'm envious of her resolve that she is creating now for herself. And it's inspiring to hear her talk about the way that she is kind of reinventing the way she looks at this industry. And I'm so happy that she's pursuing all these different things and she's killing it. Like she, she is one of the most talented people I know. And I'm not just saying that because she's my family. Um, I really, really hope that you guys, uh, will, will check out her music on Spotify and all that great stuff. Um, and the movies that are coming out, I think are going to be, she's done great things, but I think these are going to really showcase some, some really cool stuff. Um, Thank you all once again for watching. Uh, make sure you subscribe, like, all that great stuff. Uh, leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It helps more people see the show. And if you're interested in anything that I'm doing, you can go to paulcastrojr.com. I mentioned this in the beginning, but I'm offering some coaching and consultation for people interested in getting in the industry on a more intimate level. So you can go to paulcastrojr.com slash coaching for that. You guys mean a lot to me. It's always fun. We've broken the 40 episode limit here. And uh, who knows what the future's got in store. But I look forward to seeing you all on the next one.